Well, good morning, ladies. Thanks for coming this morning. What a joy to be together, to pray, just to share each other's needs, but also to look into the word. Thanks for the ladies that are joining us by podcast. And we hope one day we're going to be seeing you here where we're all gathered together when all this craziness ends. So we're here today to study 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 12. And we will read that God gives those who come to Jesus Christ an identity and a purpose. Peter encourages believers with the truth of who we are and the beautiful way that God is using them and us to build up his church. Peter tells them of God's purpose for them that is specific to them because they are believers of Jesus Christ. Their purpose is to praise God's name and proclaim his excellencies. Their faith is to be lived out in their words and their godly conduct in the world around them. And as I share this morning, know that when I say the word believers, it's us. Peter's talking to the believers of the time in Asia Minor, but he is speaking to us today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so excited to be here today to look into your word, this living and powerful word that does a work within us. But we are so thankful that we are here, part of a church family, sisters in Christ. Thank you that sisters in Christ love each other, accept each other. I thank you that we pick each other up and drive us so that we can be in the word together, that we encourage each other through the word, that we live real and honest lives before each other with our trials, with our griefs, with our prayer requests. And we know, Lord, that we support each other in those prayers. Bring them before you, Lord, who can hear them and answer them. Thank you for this loving church. Thank you for this loving group here this morning. And I pray that as we feast on your word this morning, that we are encouraged right to our very soul. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let's read our passage this morning. So if you turn with me to 1 Peter 2, uh, listen along as I read 4 to 12. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, 
I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we're here this morning and just a quick review. What a beautiful thing to look back at lessons already taught and be reminded of God's great mercy towards us. We are born again through the living and abiding word of Jesus Christ, of God. We have new hearts and the word has given us instructions on a new way to live. We have been given an eternal inheritance that is our hope to cling to when we are facing trials. We are told to long for the word, to feed on it so we can grow in our faith. Growing in our faith, our sanctification is a process. And Peter encourages us to long for the word, but to see in our verses, but we see in our verses today, Peter starts with, as you come to him, So he's implying that this process, this growing in faith, is also a daily personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As you come to him implies that it is a daily relationship that we need and must work for. As Noreen told us last week, it is the word of God that we need to crave and long for. It is the living and abiding word that we are to come to, tasting that the Lord is good through his word. That is what Peter is saying here. When the believer does this, he is growing in faith, but also God can use him to grow his church. Angus McCleary says, God's chosen people have a glorious inheritance towards which they must proceed. This is our sanctification. So we start with the encouragement to come. And who do we come to? We are coming to a living stone. As we saw in the book of Matthew, there was great unbelief and opposition to Jesus as the Messiah, their Savior. He was rejected and crucified by the Jewish leaders and people. But in Matthew 28, 6, and again in verse 7, it proclaims, He has risen. He has risen from the dead. Jesus is living. Oh, how well Peter knew that Jesus is a living stone. Jesus called Peter, we read in the beginning of the book of Matthew, and Jesus loved Peter. Yet, Peter knew the agony of his denial of Jesus and the forgiveness, mercy, and grace that was given to him through the risen, alive Jesus. Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, lives to proclaim this gospel message As you read through the opening chapters of the book of Acts, you read where he speaks boldly. In Acts 4, 10 and 11, it says, Peter says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Continuing in verse 4, Peter establishes Christ's identity. He does this because the identity of the believers flows out of the identity of Christ. So we read, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. 
Let's examine this. Let's pull out some truths from this verse that speak of Jesus' identity. Well, Peter calls Jesus a living stone, chosen by God, precious to God, rejected by men. <clears throat> Why does Peter call Jesus a living stone? Well, because it was first used in the Old Testament, and Peter will use this Old Testament language of rocks and imagery of building to show how Jesus Christ is fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. We see this in verses 6 through 8. Peter quotes first from Isaiah 28, 16, right there in verse 6. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus is called a stone by God in these verses in Isaiah. But now, because he defeated death and is alive, Jesus is a living stone. Not just any stone, but the cornerstone. We see this word again in verse 7. God has placed Jesus as the cornerstone on which God is and will build his church. The beauty of this language and this imagery is that the cornerstone is the first stone laid in the building process. Laid with precision, it will ensure that the building is perfectly square. It is the firm foundation that will hold up the structure. We see in verse 5 that God is building a spiritual house on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Jesus' sinless life, his death, his precious blood, his resurrection is the foundation of the whole structure of the spiritual house upon which the believer's identity rests. Ladies, these words Peter is quoting point to Jesus should greatly encourage us. As part of his church, we have underneath us a tried stone, tempted as we are, yet without sin, a tested stone, defeating all Satan's temptation in the wilderness. He is for us a sure foundation, and the imagery of a stone is even more profound because it is a living stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure eternal foundation, and this spiritual house will never fall. Jesus is chosen by God and precious to God. Peter uses these words twice in verses 4 and 6. He emphasizes it because it is so important for the believer to know. Jesus is the beloved Son of God. He is precious to the Father. God proclaims this very thing in Matthew 3:17. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In verse 7, Peter quotes Psalm 118, verse 22. A stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The psalmist is speaking about Jesus. Peter quotes the psalm to reveal the truth about Jesus' rejection by the builders. The builders here refer to the religious leaders who did not believe Jesus, rejected the Messiah, and crucified him. Yet the psalm looks to the coming Messiah, Jesus as the cornerstone in God's new temple, the New Testament church. And Peter's point here the rejection of Jesus is ongoing and will be ongoing until he comes again. Peter quotes Isaiah 8, 14 in verse 8, and we read, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Isaiah foretells it. 
Those who mock and reject these exiled believers are fulfilling the very prophecy of Isaiah 8:14. The stone, Jesus, that God has established becomes the means of their falling. They are tripped up because of their refusal to obey the word of the gospel. In the Old Testament references, God speaks with construction terms, stones, cornerstone, foundation, and building up. God would bring a new cornerstone, a new foundation, that will be rejected by those who could not believe it, but a blessing to those who do believe. So here, Peter establishes Jesus' identity. He is the living stone, chosen and precious to God and rejected by men. As we look at the believer's identity in verses 5 and 10, we know that the believer's identity flows out of Jesus' identity. In verse 5, Peter starts, you yourselves like living stones. Peter describes the, the believer using the very same language that describes Jesus. Believers are like living stones. As living stones, we are part of Jesus' family. Chosen and precious. His identity becomes our identity. And since he was rejected, believers will be rejected by the world also. So the believer's identity is we are living stones, we are chosen, we are precious, and we are rejected by men. These scattered, mocked, persecuted exiles here in 1 Peter, trying to stand firm in their faith amidst the hostility and rejection, are told by Peter they are chosen and precious by God, being built up as a spiritual house. As Jesus is rejected, so also the believer will be rejected by men. But they don't need to worry about what the world thinks of them. God himself, the creator of all things, the sovereign and mighty God, chose them. <coughs> Peter tells them, as Jesus is the cornerstone of the new church, God will use the believers as living stones to be built upon the cornerstone in the building up of his spiritual house. Peter tells them they can know this with absolute certainty, as revealed in 1 Peter 1.3. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Believers know this with absolute certainty because they believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ. Ladies, don't let the beauty of these truths be lost here this morning. Some of you have come today, and you're weary of the family mocking your faith. Some of you suffer either being ignored or snickered at at family functions and events. Some feel the deep agony of their children's rejection of your beliefs. Some have lost friends because they cannot tolerate you living differently from them. Have you come this morning feeling the injustices of government laws eroding away your rights to publicly speak biblical truth? Are you pressured by bosses at work to compromise your beliefs? Then listen to the very words of Peter. You are chosen by God and precious to him. Your faith is built on a sure foundation. You are part of the family of God and have an eternal inheritance. You are living stones that God is using, despite all the hostility around you. 
So don't worry about the world, what the world thinks of you. Focus on and be encouraged by what God thinks of you. <coughs> Let's unpack these verses 5 through 10 more to see how Peter builds on and fleshes out our identity. Verse 5 reads, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is at work building. The believers are being built up. The one-time act of placing Jesus as the cornerstone allows for God's continuous work of building up his church. We are part of that church, and God is the master builder. This spiritual house is alive and active and made up of born-again believers. Us. Believers are to be a holy priesthood. Why would Peter tell us this? Well, in Deuteronomy 18, Moses says that the Levitical priests shall have no inheritance among their brothers, no inheritance with Israel. The Lord is their inheritance. So we also are set apart as holy priesthood for the Lord's work and purpose. We have an eternal, unfading inheritance in heaven. Peter gives the image of God doing the work of building and the believers as living stones actively participating in worship in God's spiritual house. And here Peter gives the believers their first purpose. With identity comes a purpose. It is active, acceptable worship. Verse 5 says, Their purpose is to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These are the words we speak, the deeds we do, the songs we sing, really everything we do. Romans 12:1 reads, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We do them with complete reliance on the power of the Spirit. They have as their goal to bring glory to Christ, flowing out of a heart devoted to his word. Jesus is the only way we can do anything acceptable to God. That is what, the only kind of worship that God will accept. Ladies, God is saying the same to us today. We are chosen and precious, and we have this relationship with a living God whom we long to know more deeply, and who we can, we can talk to anytime, anywhere, that access is there to him. We are active members in a body of believers placed here by God, and our purpose is to do all for the glory of God. Is it any wonder, Peter says in verse 7, so the honor is for you who believe? Sadly, though, verse 8 tells us unbelievers stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So we will see now in verses 9 and 10 as we're moving through this passage, the identity of the believers expanding on these previous verses. Peter continues, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. To expand our understanding of this identity, let's read Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6. God told Moses to tell the people of Israel. I'll let you just take time to flip there. I see some of you flipping. Exodus 
Exodus 19, verses 4 to 6. God told Moses to tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Peter is telling the believers, when they are born again, they are born into this new kingdom, his kingdom, God's kingdom. Jesus died and rose again, not only for the nation of Israel, but for anyone who believes. They are also a royal priesthood. Since they were born again through Jesus Christ, they enter into this new kingdom. We have a new king, King Jesus. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And if he has done this, let's praise God for that tremendous work, that divine work. Peter calls them a holy nation. They are set apart for God. And lastly, we hear that beautiful identity, a people for his own possession. They belong to God, unlike the people that they used to be, the old self, the one that was in darkness that got transferred into his marvelous kingdom. We belong to God. What a motivation then to proclaim God's goodness towards them. And this is the second purpose Peter tells us and them that they have in verse 9. This purpose is that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. They are to proclaim his excellencies. We are to proclaim his excellencies. Why? Well, verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Only by God's mercy can one be saved. Only by God's mercy can one be transferred out of darkness into the old life, a life of ignorance, into his marvelous light. We should follow the example of Peter himself in this very purpose. He proclaims the excellencies of God in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a great example for us. You and I, as believers, have this identity. We are living stones, chosen, precious, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. I love being called God's own possession. Should this not cause us to proclaim God's excellencies, which is our very purpose? We need to remember what we have been saved from and proclaim God's mercy. We should offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. We need to be speaking about how God is working in our lives. We need to speak, respond, 
act and react in a manner that would bring God glory. We need to worship God even in times of difficulty or trial. In these closing verses, verses 11 and 12, our call to sanctification is renewed. This purifying work will produce in us a steadfastness that will be a convincing witness for the Lord. Peter calls out to the believers in verse 11 with a term of deep affection. He calls them beloved. He also calls them sojourners and exiles. Sojourners are defined as temporary residents. How true this is of the believers who are awaiting their eternal home in heaven. There they will live eternally with God. As exiles, they are living in the foreign area of Asia Minor. But more than that, as Philippians 3.20 tells us, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter will now urge them as they wait on Christ's return on how to function within the hostile present world they are living in. Listen to verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. While in Asia Minor, these believers need to know their identity and work to fulfill their purposes. This process of sanctification is a battle. (coughs) The believer must be obedient to this commandment to abstain from the passions of flesh. We, like those early believers, know this is hard to do. The reality is we sin. Sin is in all of us. But when we recognize it, confess it, and repent of it, <clears throat> we are, we, this is what we need to be doing. We can only battle against the, the flesh by the spirit, in the spirit. <clears throat> it's impossible for us to do this in our own strength. What Peter is saying is that the unbelievers around us need to see us winning the battle over the sin by our confession and our dependence on God. We are being built up as we deal with our sin. And Peter tells us why. Sin wages against our very soul. It brings division and pain. So it is good to be reminded that this is a warfare, the spirit against the flesh. This goes back to setting our hope in God, taking the pure milk of the word with our hearts focused on loving one another in purity of soul. And our love for one another will be a light in a dark place. And just as Jesus delivered us, Let's ask him, by that grace, by his grace, he might use us to bring lost souls to Christ. By his grace, there is a day of visitation coming, and we need to be living lives that bring God honor and glory. In closing, he is doing a work in us today. He is building us up. He is magnifying his son. He is putting our eyes on his word. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that we are yours. Thank you that our identity is what you say it is. We are your own possession. We are chosen and we are precious to you. 
We praise you for the work that you're doing in us and through us. We pray that you continue to strengthen us and use us mightily for your work. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.